The following podcast, Fresh Perspectives, has been produced by Apari AmeriCorps member and recovery coach Caroline Buckley using the equipment and facilities of Wilmington Community Television, Inc., WCTV. Welcome to the third episode of the Fresh Perspectives podcast with your host, Caroline Buckley, from the Wilmington Substance Abuse Coalition in Wilmington, Mass., uh, tonight, um, I have a guest speaker. Her name is Anita Kuna, who works for the Bags of Hope organization in Boston, Mass., and she will be discussing sex trafficking, prostitution, and how it directly relates to addiction and substance use disorder. Here she is. Hi. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hi. Um, so, yeah, my name is Anita, and I um, work with Bags of Hope, which is um, an outreach organization founded by Jasmine Grace um, about four years ago. She's a survivor of sex trafficking. She's a woman in long-term recovery um, that also has the prostitution piece in her story. Um, she started this organization as a way to give back to women um, in a practical way, um, putting together toiletries um, in a bag and just giving them away to women that are on the streets and programs um, all over Boston, the North Shore. Um, it's, this is our fourth year, so I think we've given away over a thousand bags each year. Um, it's a uh, community organization, which means the community donates all the products, the community comes together, puts the bags together, and then the community, I have a slew of volunteers that deliver the bags to halfway houses, needle exchanges, um, detox centers, you know, um, wherever wherever there's a vulnerable woman in need, woman in need. Um, so we do that um, all over the North Shore, the Boston area. I don't know if I already said that, but I'm gonna <laughs> repeat it again. Um, and so, in but in addition to the bags, um, Jasmine and I also run groups in some of the recovery homes. Um, we use um, a seeking safety material and kind of mold it into our own. Um, group where the women can um, come to identify if they've been trafficked or um, you know want to heal from the prostitution piece we found that um, women that come into recovery a lot of them have that prostitution piece as part of their story or the trafficking um, as part of their story but not a lot of them identify uh, with being trafficked or they think that you know they made that choice and most of the time it's not their choice um, so we do that group, and um, it's a way for us to um, help the women come to a place of healing um, in addition to recovering from any kind of substance abuse they have or alcoholism that they have. Um, and it's been, it's been really just amazing um, and also sad at the same time um, because it's such a hard life to get out of. And um, we bring the group in to, with the hopes that they can see um, you know, we have a survivor speakers as part of our organization, not just Jasmine. We have three other survivor speakers. Um, two of them are, are trafficking survivors, and one of them is just a survivor from sexual exploitation. Um, so the girls can relate to their stories and see them in recovery and know that there's a better way. So they have this hope that, um, you know, just because they did what they did in their addiction, um, they, um, they can come out of it and heal from it and when they do and when they do that it's amazing like amazing things happen you know um when they don't do that they continue the cycle of addiction um over and over so um we kind of our hope is to give them hope um that there's a better way to come out 
and, and heal from it all. So um, we do that by public speaking. Jasmine um, goes around and tells her story all the time. We have another survivor speaker, Chelsea, who does the same thing. They come into the groups or organizations, you know, hire them or, you know, we volunteer to speak um, at these different organizations, raising awareness. Um, we speak to the youth so that we can some kind of prevention. Um, you know, they hear their stories and and we talk in a way of prevention and a way of recovery so that the, the people understand that, um, you know, the women don't choose this kind of life. You know, I've never, I've been in this field for three years. I've worked in a recovery home. I've done street outreach. Um, I've spoken to thousands of women. <laughs> well, not thousands, maybe hundreds of women. Um, and not one of them ever said to me that, you know, they wanted to grow up and be a prostitute or a drug addict. So um, to have someone connect um, in that way is, is really powerful. And um, I don't have the sex trafficking or prostitution piece as part of my story, but um, it didn't matter because, like, I have my own sexual brokenness, and it, even the women, some of the women that come into the homes, if they didn't have that part of their story, they did have some sort of sexual brokenness. I've never met a woman that didn't have that as part of their story. So um, it's all very complicated and messy, um, but to watch them heal is just beautiful and amazing. So um, I love that I do that. Um, I love that I can help them do that um, as a recovery coach and as a mentor to them. Um, yeah, so Jasmine um, and Chelsea, they, they talk a lot about their stories to bring awareness, um, and they also train law enforcement and first responders to spot trafficking survivors. Um, and we've also um, have tried and still continue to try to train um, professionals in the substance abuse community, you know, um, the the directors of programs or their staff and the clinical staff so that they can because it's a different kind of trauma when you've been trafficked and you you know you've used your body as with prostitution it's a different kind of trauma than just regular substance abuse so to to just deal with both of them at the same time is better than just the, the substance abuse part of it because a lot of the women that come into the recovery homes they're dealing with just the substance abuse part of it and not the the the, the prostitution or the trafficking because there's so much shame and guilt there. Um, so for us to go out and train some some staff on that is has been amazing, and they can relate to the girls differently that way. So that has been amazing. Um, I'm trying to think of what else we do. Um, I don't know. Jazz, um, so, and the other thing we use... To help the girls relate is Jasmine's book. Jasmine wrote a book when she was being trafficked. Um, she was trafficked for five years, and during those five years, she had wrote uh, journals. Um, so in the, her journals, um, you know, she just wrote down her life as it was happening um, with her trafficker. And years later, after she identified with being trafficked, she found those journals um, and decided to put them on her website um, with a present-day reflection. And last year or the year before, I forget which one, she... Um, put it into a book. It's called The Diary of Jasmine Grace, Trafficked, Recovered, Redeemed. I brought one with me. Um, and it's an amazing story because it's really what's going on in her mind as she's being trafficked. And um, we give those books away to women um, at, at the recovery homes, or sometimes I give them to women on the street. I don't know if they ever read them, but I do that. Um, 
you know, so if we're at an event and we're selling the books, because you can get it for $15 on Amazon, but if we're at an event, we sell them for 25 So the person who buys one gets a book, and then that gives us, um, you know, the resource to give the books away. So last year we gave away almost 300 books. And I not only do I give them to um, the women, but I give them to, like, their families or their therapist and, like, um, some of the um, safe homes for trafficking survivors use them as a – um, part of their groups, you know, to help them identify. And it's just an amazing tool and resource for um, women to, to identify with being trafficked. Like, I remember I gave it to a girl at a recovery home, and I didn't see her for two days. She was, like, just holed up in her room reading the book, and she came flying in my office, you know, two days later with, oh, my God, this is my story. How can I meet this woman? And I just gave her Jasmine's phone number, and I've been mentoring her ever since. It's, it's a very messy ride, but she's... um she she identified that way and then you know her life changed after that i mean i'd like to tell you that she you know left her trafficker and is living the best life possible but that's not always the case so it's messy but she you know that was a defining moment in her life when she identified as being a traf um being a victim of trafficking and you know she's working really hard to build her life from that um so the book is really powerful um and it's it's a great resource so um we love being able to give that away to the women as well. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so sorry to interrupt here again. That's okay. Um, and you might have already said this, but um, what's what's the best way to either contact you or Jasmine in regards to, you know, the bag, the bags for hope or this book or for anyone out there listening that, you know, may be having issues with this? Yeah. So you could reach us at jasminegrace.org. If you go to our team, you'll have all of our information there. Um, Each one of us has a little bio. So, you know, you can, if you just want to talk to Jasmine or you want to talk to me or you want to talk to Chelsea, you could just email us and one of us will get back to you. Um, You can also look for us on Facebook. I don't know if Jasmine has Twitter. I don't. Um, But she might for Bags of Hope. I've never seen it. But um, yeah, you can just email us. We'll get back to you right away. So, yeah. Awesome. That's great. And I know you mentioned that uh, you kind of mentor women with substance use disorder and also, you know, sex trafficking and and prostitution and things like that. Um, You know, how often would you say is that almost everyone that you work with in Boston? Um, Not everyone. Um, A lot of the women rather not talk about it. Um, They'll identify and say, yeah, that was my life and just kind of go on their way. But some women want to talk about it. And the ones that do, um, yeah, we mentor them. And, um, you know, sometimes I coach them as well if they just want to work on their recovery instead of that piece of it. But they're not always inclined to, like, do it right away, you know, Um, because it's painful. And there's a lot of shame um, that comes along with it. And sometimes in early recovery, they're just not ready to face that yet. So I kind of, you know, meet them where they're at and um, hope that, um, you know, they want to deal with it at some point, you know. So, but you would say that it's a pretty major, significant problem, you know, in the city. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Nine out of ten women have prostituted or been trafficked um, either before, during, or after their substance abuse issue. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that, you know, myself also being a person in long-term recovery, you know, and I've seen it a lot, working in treatment, obviously working as a recovery coach as well. Um, you know, it seems like 
some some people and not all, but some people when they, you know, come or at least I've seen this a lot with women when they come into recovery uh, as far as, you know, putting down the drugs and the alcohol, sometimes they revert back to old behaviors, sometimes around relationships and 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 sex. I mean, I don't know if it necessarily has to do with trafficking, but it might, you know, in some some circumstances. But, um, you know, I guess what would your advice be to someone who might be struggling with that? Um, I would just, you know, I say when I worked at the recovery home, a lot of the women, um, you know, they become codependent on some of the um, sex buyers. Um, and they and some of the sex buyers have this fantasy that they could change this woman and make them their girlfriend or whatever. But, you know, in the woman's head, like, there'll always be a sex buyer, right? Um, but she'll take his money to get so she'll have cigarettes or, you know, she'll have quarters for the phone and, like, you know, still be dependent on him in that way. But in her mind, it's always he's always going to be a sex buyer. So they have to heal from that um, and kind of break off those relationships. And that's really scary because, like, you know, their families sometimes are not involved or, you know, they've given up on them and they don't have anyone. So they're in early recovery and they can't get a job yet because, like, the program says, you know, you have to wait so long or whatever. And, you know, they don't have any money. And, like, that's the money is almost as addictive as anything else um, in that kind of life. So, and, and, you know, they have a lot of pride and a lot of guilt and a lot of shame, so they're not going to ask for anything. But here's this guy, you know, just offering to give it to them. It's really easy to, like, stay in that cycle, even though they're not actually using. They still have those behaviors. It takes a long time for them to, you know, change the way they think, the way they feel about each other. A lot of it has to do with them trying to build up their self-esteem and their self-worth because, like, when they're in that life, they think that's all they're worth is is their you know what they can do with their bodies and um that's not really true and but it takes them i could tell them that till i'm blue in the face but until they actually feel it and see it for themselves they'll you know it's hard to break those um those habits so i just encourage them all the time you know and like once they start working it's hard still because you know they were able to make a lot of money in a short amount of time. And so to be out there in the real world trying to work for, you know, 10 or $12 an hour is really hard for them. Um, and it's just one more addiction, quote, unquote, that they have to deal with and um, and, and come to reconcile with them within themselves. Um, and, again, if they don't have that self-worth yet, then it's really hard. So I just encourage them to, like, keep moving forward and things will get better. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and so I know you talked about breaking the cycle and of course I know that does not happen overnight. Um, at least in my addiction, that's definitely not how it happened. Um, but like, what would you suggest as far as services they could receive, you know, in order to at least start to break the cycle? A really good trauma therapist would be like the first thing. I would do um, to connect with other survivors, um, you know, and hear their stories um, to see the, the um, you know, that recovery is possible and breaking those habits, you know, is hard and messy, but still possible. So, yeah, to connect with other survivors, um, a good mentor and a, a really good trauma therapist would be where I would start. I would tell them that's where I do tell them how to start. You know, um, I always try to connect them to services as best I can. 
Um, and then there's always like, I, you know, I sent a girl um, once to Alabama to a safe home in Alabama where they dealt specifically with the trafficking piece as well as their addictions. Um, so they had like a lot of on-site trauma therapist and different kinds of group therapies and individual therapies and equine therapies and like this just really like sometimes they have to be geographically removed from the area um and sometimes they don't i know women that have done both and and gotten clean and stuff so like um but a massachusetts doesn't have a lot of recovery homes like that for women there's one in massachusetts on the north shore it's a mirror it's an amazing home um there's one in maine and one opening in New Hampshire soon, but a lot of them are like Middle America, Texas, Alabama, Philadelphia, like you know somewhere out there, um, which I utilize when I have survivors that want to you know leave the area and do that. So, but a lot of um, a lot of trauma therapy is necessary for them. Yeah. And so, do you do you know those types of therapists, or you can at least connect them to? those types of people yeah yeah so there's a couple of good clinics in Boston um, that have um, the trauma therapist and a lot of them are learning more and more about um, trafficking survivors and how their brains work and what kind of therapy works best for them and you know not everybody's the same um, their trauma is not the same so it's getting better in Boston so yeah in the North Shore yeah I mean I don't know if this story necessarily is Related to this, I guess it is kind of because it's human trafficking, but, um, you know, a really good friend of mine that I grew up with, um, she lives in Ohio, and uh, she just told me a god-awful story about, um, I think one of her friends from work said that her sister had just recently gotten married, and um, they ordered, I don't know if it was a Lyft or an Uber or something like that, and um, to go from their from their wedding reception to a bar, wedding reception home or something like that. And um, anyway, whatever happened, she ended up passing out in the um, the Uber car. And um, and then once she came to, um, her husband was unconscious. And um, I believe the, the driver had stopped or something like that. But basically, I guess the, the driver was a trafficker. And I guess he had put in fentanyl on the, the seatbelts. Oh. And um, and so they so her husband obviously is OK now, thank God. But um, yeah, but they were both being trafficked, human wow. trafficked like that. And uh, I've never heard of anything like that before in my life. And, you know, it just seems really scary, especially since like various horrible, dangerous situations I put myself in. You know, I can only imagine what these women go through on a day-to-day basis. Right. Um, but luckily, they have people like you and people like Jasmine that can that can help them and at least, like you said, mentor them or direct them to services that they can get. So um, that's that's awesome. You yeah. know, I love the work that, that you're doing and, you know, not just with people with substance use, but, you know, this piece too, I think it, you know, you definitely need to to treat both right right and they almost they almost always go hand in hand jasmine's story is a little different when the whole time she was trafficked she wasn't using any kind of drugs it was when she left the life that you know the drugs came into play because um she was seeing a domestic violence counselor um but she couldn't talk about um 
the prostitution piece of it. Uh, obviously, this is a significant problem, not yes. just with people with substance abuse, but, you know, it seems to be happening all over the country, all over the world. Um, you know, and I think that there's a lot of people who don't think that they anybody can relate to what they've been through. Right. Um, a lot of people probably don't escape that type of environment. But the fact that there are services that people can get, um, you know, in the city um, and have people like you, you know, that's that's a game changer. That's right. going to help so, so many people. And even if they're not ready or not ready to, to leave that kind of lifestyle or environment, or maybe they're still in denial, at least now they know where to go if or when they are ready. Right, right. Because, you know, statistics show that the woman just needs one safe person you know, to come to and, and, and when they're ready to leave that, that, and I should say that it doesn't just happen like in the inner city of Boston, like it happens here in Wilmington and in Reading, <clears throat> excuse me, and in Stoneham, like all these suburban, um, towns and cities, like it does happen in every single town and every single city in Massachusetts. Um, you know, whether it's just girls work in the streets or, you know, in private homes, wherever it is, um, it happens everywhere. Yeah. And um, the other thing I wanted to talk to about, it was the prevention part of it, you know, for people who are listening who have, like, preteens and things like that. Like, the early, the earliest age that a girl can get caught up in, in, this, in this lifestyle of trafficking is probably 12 to 14 years old. So you got to be really careful, you know, what your kids are watching on TV, listening to on the radio, people they're talking to on the Internet is really, you know... Um, like Snapchat, like they, Snapchat has no rules. You know, the people, the traffickers look for the vulnerable girls, like the, the most vulnerable kids that get caught up in this are the ones obviously in the DCF system. So if you have like the chance to mentor a child, like uh, that's where I would go to do that um, because they're basically just looking for someone to love them and the traffickers know that and that's what they'll play on. So um, there's just so much to be educated about that I don't have enough time in this podcast to tell you about. But um, you can definitely, um, you know, look at our website and find out more about that. Um, we have a whole tips for teens on there because, like, you know, it's it's so easy to have your child caught get caught up in this without them even realizing it. And the predators and the, the traffickers, like, they look for that one vulnerable girl online who's depressed or having a bad day and like pounce on them you know what I mean and even the women out on the streets that have you know drug abuse like the traffickers you know they know that and they'll use that against them and and before they know it they're caught up as well so um it's really really important to protect your children from so many things that are going on in this world <laughs> like and that's a huge one it's a huge one it's probably one of the biggest businesses in the world you know in, even in front of the drug trade. So um, there's just no escaping it. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I personally don't have kids. I'm not a mom, but I think, but you are, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I guess what what do you do for your children? <clears throat> so I have one son and he's 20. Um, and he knows all about sex trafficking and prostitution and, you know, how I feel about strip clubs and things like that because, 
even you know it's so normalized in our society these days like uh, you know pornography like it's just something that men do and you know I try to teach my son that it's not okay you know it's not okay to objectify women it's not okay to buy and sell human beings um, and it's not okay to you know look at a woman um, as an object and not as a human so I I've drilled that into his head for the last five years <laughs> so he gets it um, <clears throat> but a lot of a lot of parents and and you know men or whoever you know think that you know boys will be boys and that's just what we do and you know trying to change that culture and mindset is really really hard because um, women are being hurt they're being abused they're being victimized um, and pornography is a big part of that you know it, it really just correlates with the whole sex trafficking thing and the violence that is um, part of pornography now just numbs society into thinking that you know this is okay you know we've tolerated it for so long and now that's like quote unquote no big deal but it is and um you know a lot of the sex buyers have that pornography um piece to their story because they're also broken you know like no normal human being should be buying other human beings like there's something broken about them i feel like and um a lot of them if you if you get a chance to talk to them have that you know addiction to pornography and that's you know it escalated you know, starting down here and now it's up here and they're buying other humans and that's just not okay. Well, thank you so much for um, all this information and I really appreciate you coming down and being a guest speaker here tonight. Yeah. My first ever speaker on my new podcast, <laughs> so I appreciate it. I'm the first ever? You're the first ever guest wow, speaker. Oh, I feel special. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, and again, can you just tell the listeners the um, contact information, the website? Yes, so it's jasminegrace.org, um, and if you just click on the Meet Our Team, you'll find me, Jasmine, Chelsea, and Miranda, and Jen, and um, yeah, you you can find her book on Amazon for um, $15, I believe, and it's Jas The Diary of Jasmine Grace, Traffic, Recovered, and Redeemed, and if you would want to you know, donate to Bags of Hope or host a Bags of Hope party, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. We're always looking for donations and volunteers and um to share our stories and you know um awareness and yeah prevention so awesome well i will definitely check that book out for sure oh i brought you one that's for me yeah oh wow she brought me one that's awesome all righty well that's it for tonight um and uh you can contact us uh or myself uh through the facebook page for the wilmington substance abuse coalition And uh, we will see you next time. This podcast was produced at WCTV Wilmington Community Television.